0: For this talk, I will go through a few key points. And what I would like you to keep in mind as we talk about it is really kind of what is the central mission of the department that I am from, which is innovation is political. And so hopefully this will animate your minds as we go through. So first to begin with, I'm a part of a network called Terra Commune. We look at data colonialism. How is it manifesting in the world? What is happening? How does it impact people's well-being? And we try to explore what data decolonialism might look like as well. The term data colonialism refers to the process of expropriating or appropriating human life through the for-profit data extraction and the commodification of human behavior, creating what are called uh, new types of social relations or data relations, according to Cauldry and Mehas. And I'm interested in exploring data colonialism specifically in terms of understanding how does it manifest today? What are some of the epistemic logics which underpin it? And in terms of understanding, how can we begin to understand how is this animating differently in different parts of the world and through systems? And then finally, looking at opportunities for data decolonialism through new types of storytelling. To begin, for me, data colonialism highlights the linkages between global patterns of power and the social relations that are forming around data today or the global political economy of data. Uh, in my talk, I am going to use the term global south because I linked the process of data colonialism that is happening now as a continuing process of historical colonialism, which happened much earlier, and particularly European colonialism. So, data colonialism, it's a process of dispossession and extractivism through data, and that's happening in the world today. I think it's quite, you know, well known around how that might happen in our platforms. I'm interested in exploring how does that happen in the public sector specifically, and what are some of the dimensions of that dispossession in relationship to knowledge and power today. And so first, digital frontierism, which I use to refer to the embedding to look at how the logics, the different types of epistemic logics to justify data extractivism and the systemic dispossession of people from their data. And so digital frontierism is exacerbating data extractivism and it presents data colonialism as an inevitable and progressive process that will bring about techno-utopic futures. And I think that looking through data colonialism is a conceptual lens. We can test that and we, we begin to try and interrogate such assumptions. Specifically, one of the ways that digital frontierism is working today is premised on the idea that data or quantified ways of knowing will lead to better types of knowledge that can bring about more just futures. And digital transformation and innovation is transforming what counts as knowledge in society today. And that process is not neutral, but rather rooted in claims about the epistemic supremacy of quantified knowledge. The acceleration of datification and data extractivism is legitimized by the belief or or the, the assumption that quantified ways of knowing are inherently objective and that Uh, Such ways of knowing will lead to human progress in the highest form of socially constructed knowledge. And so the term dataism begins to get kind of this epistemic process and epistemic hegemony applied to data. And this belief is rooted in uh, dataism. And it's not only relevant to like how knowledge is being constructed, but how, how people are making meaning of the world around them and also a process of world building. The reason that it's, I think, important to highlight this is because this logic of extractivism and frontierism, these are the same type of epistemic logics that were found with regard to um, historical colonialism. And so, historical colonialism, the idea that this colonialism was justified because of the epistemic and cultural supremacy that was attached to European, specifically through the Enlightenment, and that it was used to justify you know, taking people away from lands, many types of horrible violence, the echoes of that can still be felt today in many parts of the world. And so I think that digital frontierism and looking at dataism or the, the idea that quantified ways of knowing in, in data will provide the highest form of knowledge is linked to processes of colonial domination that were used historically. In addition, I think that part of what academics, activists, and people are trying to do and contest is this coloniality of these epistemic foundations. So dataism and digital frontierism in relationship to these two things being what is used to accelerate and propagate data colonialism today. Terra Commune explores data decolonialism by beginning to deconstruct and contest the epistemic dominance attached to data-driven rationalities. And uh, I think we do that in a number of ways. I'll get to that maybe a little bit later in the talk. I think it's important also to highlight, you know, one of the critiques that people bring up around data colonialism specifically is the idea that data colonialism is presented as this global process that's encompassing all parts of the world. And I think that what it's important to highlight is while data colonialism can be understood as both a global process and a process that's happening in different parts of the world differently, I think that it's important to look at how data colonialism, because of other historical colonial relationships and legacies called, you know, I refer to that as coloniality, which still operates in the world today, that it's not occurring in the world in ways that are equivocal, meaning that in the global south, data colonialism is happening in a way that is different and worth looking at and studying and understanding than it may be in the global north. And so for instance, while people might look at, you know, the U S for example, as a part of the global north, in terms of how racialization works in the global north, that is connected to the historical colonialism that occurred in the system of slavery that worked in that country. And racism still exists there, you know, today. And so the coloniality would refer to the legacies of those systems that continue to operate in society today. And with regard to data colonialism and why I use the term the global south specifically to kind of identify how these relationships or legacies of coloniality are structuring how data colonialism is happening, I think it's important to understand that. So that we can begin to see data colonialism as a, as not only a global process, you know, linked to global digital capitalism and just regular capitalism through global value chains, but also a process that is linked to what is happening in the collective called the global South. So these places that have inherited the colonial legacies of historical colonialism, and that it shapes how power asymmetries work today between, you know, different countries. According to the World Economic Forum, uh, its Global Social Mobility Index, out of 82 countries, India is 76th out of 82, and the Philippines are 61st out of 82 on that list. However, the Philippines is more vulnerable to data colonialism than India. And I'll tell you a little bit about why that is the case. So in the Philippines, it's a country where it's e-commerce platforms, most of them are transnational. Their integration into the global digital economy has primarily been that as a consumption market that is vulnerable to data value capture by foreign companies, particularly the US and China, rather than within the country's own domestic digital economy. Contrastingly, India is home to the second largest internet user base in the world due to its enormous market base. India is able to exercise more leverage in global digital trade negotiations and insist on things like data localization requirements and more effectively negotiate its position, ultimately, in the global digital economy, more so than the Philippines. And I, I think that this begins to highlight how the way that countries are being integrated into the global digital capitalist system, some countries are being integrated in as data producers, so where places where data is extracted and through maybe the lack of, you know, adequate privacy protections in some places, I specifically look at Kenya and Uganda as an example, they might be at risk of experiencing more intense forms of data extractivism rather than in places like maybe the EU, for example, where it may have more policy mechanisms in place to prevent that. And so even in the context of the Global South, as one speaker talked about earlier, yes we can understand that what is happening in these places as unique and as uh you know not viewing these countries as a monolith but i think that there is something important about using the term global south to kind of bring into light how much is at stake for many countries in the world and why we need to leverage new types of solidarities through networks through connection to try and prevent global data colonialism but also you know many countries in the global South being incorporated into global digital systems as data colonies, rather than places that have maybe developed their own ecosystems enough around their own digital services. And it's not being captured by markets like the US or China. And so I think that's one thing. I think one of the ways in which data colonies are being formed is also through techno-philanthropic capitalism. And so we can look at things like Facebook's free basic programs. I think they renamed it recently. Google also has a program as well, or the MasterCard Foundation's work around biometric IDs in West Africa. You know, these are promoted as programs that are gonna help diminish the digital divide and it's gonna help to include people in processes of digital transformation. However, I think it's really important to critically look at how this is taking place because along with these companies going in, what they're doing is, They're they're consolidating power and they're consolidating their dominance in different countries' digital ecosystems to create new types of digital dependencies and engage in data extraction that can lead to countries being put into weaker positions or not being able to develop their own digital markets as effectively. And so I think that particularly since a lot of these programs are aimed at the global South in particular, there's this narrative that, you know, this transformation or these companies are doing good. I think it needs to be critically investigated through the lens of data colonialism to understand what are the implications of this in terms of how countries will be able to create their own digital futures and determine that. And so I think that this is part of where thinking about How can we build solidarities around data decolonialism across the globe, particularly in the global south, so it can leverage its collective power in co-creating and reshaping the orientation of global and local digital transformation efforts occurring in the world today? And so I think data colonialism is an analytically useful concept when it comes to examining the global political economy of data and to attenuate to how the logic of data extractivism through things like dataism and digital frontierism is entangled with historical colonialism and reconstituting different forms of structural harm today. So basically, we just want to use storytelling and use other ways of creating new counter narratives that can begin to kind of promote epistemic justice, data decolonialism, and um, I I will leave it there. Thank you.